Hey everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Breaking the Barrier Podcast. I'm Andrew. He had one job to do, and he barely did it for the third week in a row. Yep. I'm Zach. Uh, welcome to the podcast where we talk about nothing, because we've been hanging out for about 40 minutes already before we decided to pod, and uh, yeah, finally getting to it. Yeah, I was waiting for stuff, and doing <laughs> stuff and everything. Um, so yeah, I guess we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about uh, Zach's uh, race, but not really race the, recap. We're the gonna talk a the race bit. you have when you're not having a race. Exactly. We're mm. going to call it a tune-up race. We'll talk mm. a little bit about the benefits of tune-up races. Uh, but I guess first off, uh, other than that, how's your running going otherwise? Yeah. Well, why, let's talk about your running, and then we'll talk about mine. Oh, that's a good point. How's your running going? Good. Uh, I've had some good workouts last week. Last mm. week, we spoke about that long run workout that I was going for on Friday. How'd that go pulling it forward from Sunday to Friday? It's it, always weird to me when I do my long run on a Friday. Yeah, it was strange. It, but And I think I pushed myself a little bit too much on the Thursday because that Thursday workout generally is like a, not quite, it's not a threshold run, but it certainly is. Um, it's intense. It's an, more intense. It's, it's that mm. aerobic gray zone. It's like not quite anaerobic, but it's high aerobic. So that I probably should have kept a little bit easier. But that said, the Friday workout was a lot of fun. It was a, it was, this was one of your Friday workouts where you need like a complex mathematics yeah, degree. Yeah, to... so it was like, it was intense. It was like a two miles warm up. And Again then, with the miles. Sorry, 3.2 kilometer warm Thank up. you, much more precise. And then a five kilometer hard tempo. Mm. And so I basically ran that at a round a four, I'd say probably 4.30 to 4.40 pace. Mm. Which I probably shouldn't have, <laughs> uh, because after that it was a three-minute recovery, and then it was ten times sixty seconds hard, sixty seconds easy. So the first sixty seconds I bolted at about a three forty-five kilometer pace. Yep. And then the sixty seconds recovery I was doing like six-minute pace, and then I just kept doing that. By the time I got to the fifth, mm. that three forty-five got really hard and turned into a four thirty. Yeah. And the 60-second jog recovery turned into a 60-second walk recovery. Right, okay. But you kept moving. I kept moving. Yeah. But as opposed to lying on the side of the road in a fetal position, mm. breathing whilst old ladies ask, are you okay, dear? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, it got to the point where I was like, all right. So, you know, second to last, I started to pick it up again, you know, get into that four-minute kilometer pace. But it was like, I knew that I was like, all right, I started everything way too hard today. And so that after that, it was another three minutes recovery and then another 5k hard tempo and i was not i did not i didn't prefer. so basically that i mean i negative split that one right. like because the first couple kilometers were at like five minute pace right so it was more because you sucked at the beginning than, yeah exactly yeah. and then i ended it at about a 450 is that because your recovery wasn't enough beforehand should I, you have done two minutes no as we talked about last week, two minutes, the optimal recovery The optimal period. recovery, and four doesn't necessarily make a difference. <laughs> no, it was just, I just blew myself up. I just started out too quick. I didn't yeah. pace myself right. Um, you know, but I finished, and I had a chat with Kirk. I was like, and he was like, you know, this is, this is, you needed this workout. Because yep. you blew up, you learned a lot from this failure, and I did. And so... Yep. I don't look at it as a horrible workout. I just look at it as a really good learning experience uh it's a good it, lesson it was a good lesson and so my next you know couple runs there were are you in a deload week right now no that's next week i next thought it was week. this week it's okay. next week um i had a great workout yesterday like real solid so that was um a 3.2 <clears throat> kilometer warm-up thank you and then i did 
ladder repeats, so 1,600 meter repeats, mile mm -hmm. repeats for my American friends. So basically, the first 1,600 meters, run it hard, about 30 seconds faster than gold marathon pace, three minutes rest, then do it again, two and a half minutes rest, again, two minutes rest, again, uh, one and a half minute rest, and then again, one minute rest, and then go. And I really was happy with how I paced, so I started mm -hmm. my first five repeats, 7.30, 7 minutes and 30 seconds. Wow, exactly. per mile. Per mile. Uh, and then the f last one, I was like, all right, I feel good, let's see what I can do. And so I just like let it loose a little bit, and I did that one in a 6.47. Wow. Uh, so I started... That's good for 1,600 meters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was, that's what's that, like a, it's just over a four-minute mile, yeah. uh, four-minute kilometer. Yeah. Uh, and so that tells me that I probably could have started a little bit quicker, but mm. I'm happy with that. You know, I kept it consistent. I knew exactly the pace that I wanted to hit, and I was in control the whole time. And then I got to that last one, and I was like, yeah, cool. Mm. I, I didn't empty the tank for that workout, but certainly it was a good lesson in pacing and a good workout to have after last week's one. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, it was another 3.2 kilometer cooldown. So my first two w workouts of the week generally are 13 kilometers easy recovery, followed by anywhere from 15 to 18 kilometers, like some There's kind of some quality. sort of combination yeah. interval, either yeah. intervals or inclines. Yeah. So like I'm hitting a lot of volume in the beginning of the week, and then sort of backing off a little bit. But yeah, because if you're doing a traditional Sunday long run. And then you're hitting volume straight mm -hmm. after at the start of the week. You've got a pretty intense three or four days there. Well, I do my I do my long run on a Saturday now. Oh, okay. so yeah, so switched. basically okay. my Mondays are long, not long, but mid distance easy recovery mm -hmm. about thirteen kilometers plus strides, and then Tuesday is a quality either <laughs> interval or incline workout. Wednesday's off. Yep. Thursday's either uh, like tomorrow mm -hmm. I'll go to the Yu Yangs and just chase vert for seventy minutes. Yep. Or the Thursdays either that or just uh, run. At like a 150 heart rate yeah on flat terrain then friday is six and a half kilometers easy so it's a little bit less and then saturday is the long run day so this yeah. saturday will be my 32 and a bit kilometer run yeah uh, and we'll do that in a bit a minute and a half slower than goal marathon pace yes you wanted to open this podcast with a couple of statements and didn't, I didn't you i didn't at all no so why don't let's jump into that firstly what's the word of the day productive Productive is the word you were searching for last week when you were trying to explain... Productive. What? I don't even know. <laughs> I, I don't even know. When did you remember the word was productive? When like, did you realize? Like, actually, like, 10 seconds after I published the episode. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And then that's what I uh, messaged you. So the next day, you were like, okay, cool. At least you didn't wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning screaming at the roof. Cool. So that's that's clarification number one you'd like to make. And clarification number two. I mentioned that I did my long run, my 18.6 miles, uh, about 30 kilometers last week at a minute and a half faster than gold marathon pace. That's not, I, I went a minute and a half slower. A minute and a half faster than your gold marathon pace is a pretty impressive interval time. Would not be smart. It would not be smart. No. Yeah, so. Uh, so I don't want you all to think that I don't practice what I preach. So yes. my long runs are slower than my gold marathon pace. Uh, there might be certain intervals in there where I'll pick it up to marathon pace, but not mm. really. Uh, most of my intervals are faster than half marathon, or faster than marathon pace, faster than half marathon pace. But those mm. aren't part of my long run days. They might be part of a longer running workout, mm. but not my technical long run. Days. Yeah, and when you do those faster bits on your part of your long runs you're not running as fast as you would during a 5k no or during no. 1600 and they don't track and they don't last like i mean that like for example 
you know, if I have a goal to keep my effort in a recovery easy, but, you know, like for Monday, I went for my 13 kilometer one. My goal was to do a recovery effort, keep my heart rate around 138 to 143. But I was feeling really crappy, mm. like sluggish, mentally fatigued. So I threw in some strides in the middle of the run. Just every mile, I would just do every couple kilometers, I would just speed it up for 100 meters. And that kind of like helped out. Yeah. But I wouldn't I wouldn't keep that because if I do that too long, it voids out what I'm trying to do. Yeah, exactly. It's enough to wake you up and just change it up a little bit, but that's yeah. not why you're out there. Exactly. And for a long run, mm. I'm, you're not out there to PR yeah. your, or PB your, your pace. You're out there to just get time on legs and give yourself some damage. And, yeah. Uh, give yourself some damage. Yeah. Ultimately, that's the point of a long run is get out there, give yourself some damage in a way that you can recover from okay. But yeah. each... Each week when you're marathon training, long run gets a little bit bigger. You give yourself a little bit more damage. You yeah. recover. You get stronger. That's exactly. part of the point of it. Yeah. Exactly. Like, you know, that's that's that's. You know, you always hear people say your your body's not built in the gym. It's it's built through recovery. You're tearing your muscles down when you lift weights, and you're tearing your legs down and your system down when you do a long run. So when you take that recovery day, that recovery run, that couple days recovery, you come back theoretically a little bit stronger mm. every time because every time you do a workout. You're essentially a different athlete mm. every single time. So uh, Matt Fitzgerald said something like this the other day. I heard him saying, he was like, you know, every time you approach a workout, mm. whether it's a long run, whether it's an interval, you're a different athlete. You're a different runner because that's just the way that we work. And whether that means you are stronger or whether it means that you've regressed, you're never going to hit this same workout the same way twice interesting indeed except for, unless you're me and you do your paces on point perfectly every time yeah you just describe it wrong later exactly yeah. that's a, it's a good lesson on what we were talking about a couple of episodes mm -hmm. ago about going into every workout and training session with that putting it in context having a plan understanding mm -hmm. what you're there for why you're doing that particular session yeah right. and and what's your personal situation going into it sometimes like you know i do workouts at the moment i have to accept the fact that whilst i feel better than i felt six months ago I can't compare to myself to how I was running three years ago. Yeah. So, you know, I am what I am today. That's what I've got to work with. Let's get out there and do it. Indeed. Yeah. I like that. So your, your 32K long run this week. Yeah. How, how long are you planning to go in your long runs for this lead up to Melbourne Marathon? What's I, your longest well, run going to be? So Has next Kurt week. told you? Uh, kind of. Next week's a deload week. I think the week after that we'll probably do 32 again. Yep. Then yep. potentially 34. So how far away are we now? Six weeks at that 34. If I do 34 mm. there, it's about 22 miles. Yeah. That'll probably be about, yeah, two or three weeks away. I feel like we're six weeks away. I think I saw something today. I think said, this yeah. weekend is six weeks. So yeah. Yeah. So in another three weeks, we'll be three weeks out and we'll probably start a bit of a taper there. Yeah. Um, not too aggressive, but then, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll actually it probably will be, we'll probably back it right off. If he does take me to that 34, 22, yeah. uh, 22 mile mark. But, yeah, I, this will be my second to, the second longest run that yeah. I do. I think, I'm assuming he's going to take me up there. I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. I did try my Alpha Flies again for my workout. Right. And? I liked them. I did. The only problem is, the way that the insert in the foot is, it, like, doesn't quite reach the edge of the inside edge of the shoe. So, it's like, that's why I keep getting these blisters. That feels like a pretty fundamental thing. Yeah, so thing. I figure that out like tape or something figure that out because they that's why they're so light yeah they just don't fill just the don't, interior with they materials don't yeah. fill them up 
But definitely those shoes help me to achieve things later in the run that I shouldn't be able to. Right. In terms of efficiency and speed. So I'm going to take them out. I don't know if I'll take them out for the 32 this weekend. Yeah. I'll take them out for my time trial next week, the 5K. So I'll do, I think, uh, 15 kilometers in total in a 5K mm. in the middle of there. And for the next long run after that, just see how I go. Yeah. And because I'm used to running in the vapor flies, I can do that for the marathon, I think. But I think the alpha fly is going to help me last a little bit longer. Yeah. Just in terms of comfort. Yeah. Yeah. A bit more cushioning. Yeah. A bit more rebound. Yeah. yeah. I've got my new Kayanos, which I'm only running on with at the track at the moment. And yep. I think I'm going to do that. I think I'm just going to use them for track work up until the actual marathon. Sure. And then, because I know the I know the fit of the Kayanos. I'm running two pairs of Kayanos right now, so... So you're essentially just breaking them in. I'm basically there. just breaking them in, and yeah. then I'm going to put them on, and in my mind, it's going to be like, these have only known track workouts, mm. so instantly they'll be faster than my normal Kayanos, because my normal Kayanos have done long, slow runs, whereas these ones will only have ever known track workouts. Well, yeah, that is interesting, because so, you'll, yeah. you'll get used to running them so fast in a sub-four-minute kilometer yeah. pace doing say a, a, a five minute pace yeah. at the marathon is going to feel pretty good even though they're the exact same shoes yeah. as I've been doing the slower runs in I just feel like the energy of the track will be absorbed into them and so I it'll think, be a natural boost I think yeah. that that's it's complete scientists that's yeah. absolute I yeah. think that that's proven mm. yeah exactly show, show me the maths that says it isn't that come on yeah cool great talk so everything's going well training's feeling well yep Not, we're good um, good no no issues. I mean, things are, of course, as I pick up the volume, getting a little bit... Yeah. I'm like, oh, we're running into dangerous territory now. But, you yeah. know, we're keeping it at bay. Okay. So, and, and tired? No, I feel good. Like, I feel... Sleep? Sleeping great. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, when I'm fatigued on runs... It's it's funny. My recovery runs, my easy runs, are the ones that feel the, sh yeah. the, the shittiest. Because it's ironic, isn't it's it? It's like... And I, yeah. said, I said it to Kirk. I said... Dude, my fast running is getting stronger, but I feel like my slow recovery runs are like stagnating and getting worse. You're starting <laughs> to realize why they call them junk miles. Yeah. Because you're like, why am I doing these crappy recovery runs? But you've got to because they're just to shake it all it's out. It's just, it's moving. funny. Like my, mm. my recovery runs are probably, I'm probably running slower at the heart rate that I run at mm. than I ever have before. But I'm also starting to run faster on the other end yeah. than I ever have before. And it's interesting that run your fast runs fast and yeah. your slow runs slow. That's yeah. the lesson, isn't it? So there you go. So hmm. I mean, there's something to be said. Like you can, I, I I run an easy recovery run at a like a almost a seven minute kilometer at a 140 heart rate, and that feels sluggish. But then I'll go out and do my half marathon at a five minute kilometer. It feels hard, but yeah. not sluggish. Yeah. It feels good hard. Um, you know, that's at like a 160 heart rate, but still, it's just really interesting how the body works. Yeah. Well, well done. I'm, I'm glad things are, are going well. We're obviously, I didn't tell you, um, Mark has pulled out of the Melbourne Marathon. Oh, bummer. Why? Yeah. Well, he got sick. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. He got sick. And so he's still recovering from it. And so he's just decided, hey, he's seen quite a few people taking their time coming back at the moment from all the, the cold and flu and everything that's going around. And so he just got sick at the wrong time. Yeah. If he'd gotten sick a little bit earlier... He might have been able to bounce back. If he'd gotten sick a little bit later, then it would have been not an option at all. But I think he said he's going to downgrade to the half marathon. Well, at least he's going to do just, something. He's just going to go do his Sunday long run, and yeah. that'll be it. He'll, yeah. he'll probably beast that thing. He'll yeah. Be like a sub 140. Exactly. Guaranteed. Yeah. He just says at the moment he just sleeps all the time. 
That's fun. Yeah, this is great. Like being a Labrador. Yeah, he's recovering. Yeah. Mm, exactly. Yeah, that's nice. Mm. So let's talk about you now, man. Let's uh, let's talk about your training leading up to this. Uh, we'll call it a tune-up race. Yeah. Well, I mean, it wasn't a race, and we talked about that last week. It was tune-up run. Tune-up run. It was the uh, the Ballerine Rail Trail Run, which is I didn't realize has been running since two thousand and four. Mm. So it's been cancelled once because of floods, where literally the night before the event, the track got washed out. Yeah. Um, and then it got cancelled once because of COVID. But this week, uh, the Sunday just gone, we went out and did it. There was 70-odd of us doing the 34-kilometre uh, run, and then there was about 100 or something doing the 17-kilometre run. And it's, it's it, like we talked about, it's the cheapest event you can possibly do. $10? $10. $10. Oh, yeah. um, basically, $10, you get a bib, you get a time at the end of it, and that's it. There's no medals. Um, they'll they'll take your drinks out to drink stations for you, and they'll have volunteers uh, stopping traffic when you go across roads, and and that's about it. And they they let you book tickets on the train. So what happens is you start at Queenscliff, yeah, and if you're running, you run from Queenscliff to Drysdale, and then turn around and run back. If you're running the 17 kilometres, you can also park your car at Queenscliff, but then catch a train. Oh, up sure. to Drysdale yeah. and then hop off the train and the way it's timed is that you catch the train to Drysdale you hop off the train at Drysdale and you're running straight away right like it's and the train is this old classic steam engine that they bring out and it's kind of like Puffing Billy yeah. from Furniture Gully so it's, it's a good time and so when you're running the 34 you head off before the train and then the train comes past you and there's kids hanging out the windows and you know it's a, it's a good vibe on a good day um Sunday was not a good day at the start. It was windy, it was rainy, yeah. it was cold. It was we were all standing there, like they like three minutes to go, and at three minutes to go, it started to rain, and we we're all just looking at each other, going, "This sucks. What? <laughs> why are we doing this? Like we could walk away right now and not put ourselves through this." But uh, it was fine. It was literally like five minutes into the run, it fixed itself up. But that first three minutes. A bunch of us were sitting there going, "Why are we putting ourselves through this?" Nah. But, but it was it was great. I mean, I, I drove down there uh, the morning of, uh, parked my car at my uncle and auntie's, walked around to the start line, met a bunch of people there that I knew, which was great. It's always good to have some friends at the start line. Um, but the whole thing with this race was, thirty four kilometers is just enough time. Mm. Like that's around about at the marathon point where it gets hard. Yeah. So for me. And I've spoken to you about this offline before the event. For me, it was going to be a, well, what pace can I do? Mm. Like, I don't know if this is a pace I can do for the full marathon, but what pace can I do to push myself to the point where I'm just about to cross the line and really start breaking stuff down? Yeah. So, so I did want to go out and do, for me, a, a relative fast time. But the thing with the course is I have to take into account it's an uphill course. Yep. It's an into-the-wind course. Uh, on the way out, and then on the way back, it's downhill and the wind is behind you. Mm -hmm. So, but the thing is, you never get back running downhill and with a tailwind. What it takes out of you, running uphill into the wind. Good point. Um, and so, and when you start the race, you're fresh, and so there's a big tendency to push it and overdo it because you've got more energy, and then that leaves you weak in the second half. And so there was a whole bunch of things, and, and I, I think I shared with you as well my analysis from this race back when I did it in 2019. Yeah. And in 2019, I did it in two hours, 58 minutes and change. And what was really noticeable is I had a very, very fast first half. Mm -hmm. So the 
first half uphill, very fast, and then got slower and slower and slower in the second half. And so uh, to finish that event in under three hours, you need to average five minutes 18 per kilometre. Mm -hmm. And I think in the first half of the race, I averaged five minutes 10. And in the second half of the race, I averaged five minutes 26. And I was lucky to basically scrape in under the three hours. Because my timing, it, it was like how we talked about a couple of weeks ago, when you're at the track and you're doing an interval and you start off really fast in the interval and then you drop off along it, I kind of did that for a 34-kilometer run. Yep, fair. Which is not what you want to do. So so my, my challenge for this event on the weekend was to try and go out and do it as flat as possible mm. and really control stuff and really mentally control stuff, um, which is, you know, it's it's a bit to think about when you're on an event like that, but, but I knew that that's what I have to practice before yeah. the marathon. So... I would say in summary, before I talk about how I finished, for me, I'm really happy. It was like a perfect example of pacing and negative splitting and really controlling stuff. That's nice. Um, I ended up finishing in 2 hours 56. PB for that race. PB for that for that run. For, for that, that run, race. sorry, whatever. PB for that run. But the most important thing is I set my... So if I needed to go under... 5.18 yeah. to finish under three hours. I averaged 5.12. Nice. I only had six kilometers in total that were slower than 5.18, but I also only had about six or seven kilometers that were faster than 5.06. Okay. So my pacing was in this perfect band yeah. between like 5.06 and 5.18. I was just perfectly in that range to average a 5.12, um, which was really good because there was times where as I was running out and as I was running back even, where the temptation to go faster too early yeah. was really overcoming. Like, you know, at the start, there's a whole bunch of people running together and you find yourself sometimes running with people who are a little bit faster than you are. Sure. And you look down and you're getting sucked along to their pace. It's like, no, no, i got to back it off. And the, the mental strength to let them run away from you, but know that you're still doing your pace yep. and you're not running slow. You're just, you don't need to run as fast as they do mm. is, is a really, really tough one. And same on the way back. It's like, oh, I'm feeling really good now and I'm on the way back. I think I can go a bit faster. Oh, no, wait a second. We're only at the 24K mark. Yeah, it's kind of like you, <laughs> you've got to figure that out. It's like, yeah, I can surge right now, but if I surge right now, it's probably going to be too soon and I'm going to fade home. Yeah, so I actually do this thing when I'm running where it's like my mental cue. If I look down and I'm, I notice that my watch is going too fast... I'll actually, with my left hand, I'll pump the brakes. I do that I'll, too. I'll physically pump the brakes. I do that too. Yeah, and go, slow down. Yeah. Slow, talk to myself. That's slow funny. down. Um, because I got it. And I must look like a crazy person. Yeah. But you look I, like you're cat, like, casting some weird spell or doing yeah. some weird dance or something. But I'm just I'm just trying to, to not go too fast. And so that was the thing I, I found on the way. The way out, the, the run on the way out, which, it was like 30-kilometer gusts. And it was just, mm-hmm. it was nasty. It was like constantly into the wind. And so I was having to push to hold like the 512 pace. Yeah. But even when the wind got the better of me or the elevation got the better of me, it was still only pushing me out to like a 524 or something like that. So so I wasn't losing that much on the 518 pace yeah. that I know I needed to be under. So all of my times where I went slower than 518 were in the first 10 kilometers of the race or so. Right. Um, and then... The way the event works is it's, it's a it's a beautiful run. It's undulate. It is uphill on the way out. You got the train beside you. You got fields. Uh, occasionally, you can see bits of the water along the way. And then you come into Drysdale. And the, the beautiful thing at Drysdale is you've ran, 
you know, by the time you've ran about 15 kilometers or so, the half marathon at the other end has, or not the half marathon, the 17k run at the other end has started. Yeah. And so you start to see the 17 kilometer runners coming back your way. Right. Um, and then you also end up seeing the people who are leading the 34 kilometer run, the winner of the 34 kilometer run, two hours, nine minutes. For 34 Ks. That's crazy. Super quick. Yeah. So we're talking about someone who's going to be doing like a 240 marathon, yeah. worst yeah. case scenario. Um, and then you see the fast um, 17 kilometers runners who were doing it in like, you know, uh, an hour four, an nope. hour five or something That's like insane. that. That's insane. Like sick. super quick. Yeah. Uh, but then you see more and more 17 kilometers runners coming. And by the time you get to the turnaround, all the 17 kilometer runners have gone. But then, and this is the thing we've spoken about a couple of times, you get the benefit of Right, I'm now at the top of a 17-kilometer run home. Yep. I'm running downhill. I've got the wind behind me. I've got all the 17-kilometer runners who are slower than the pace I'm running that I can overtake. Yep. And then I've got all the 34-kilometer runners who have gone out too hard and too fast who are going to start fading in the second half of this event. And it just became like, knock that one off. Yep. Knock that one off. Knock that one off. Like, just ticking them off one by one. Like, the, the entire 17 kilometers was like, every 500 meters, it was like, pick a new person, run that person down. Yeah. Pick a new person, run that person it's down. It's kind of like dark, but that's kind of a great way to get through the yep. last half of a race. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's kind of really, I don't know, there's something just, I lost the word again. There, there was a thought, so, yeah. We'll open the Satis podcast. Satisfying. 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 That's the one. I was, um, I saw a bunch of people from WinFit at the, today were doing the 17K run. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to get them. And I was so happy to see them because I'm like, oh, I'm glad that they're enjoying their run and they're still going, but also I beat them. But also I managed to catch them. Beat you down like a yeah. dog. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was great. It was, um, the, the run on the way back, it was astonishing because running into the headwind and uphill, all you could think about all the way was this damn headwind yeah. and everything. The second you turn around and the headwind's on your back, you're like, there's no breeze. It's perfectly still. <laughs> it's not perfectly still. It's just behind you and it's just pushing you along. Um, but it was it was great. It was, I don't, so, you know, I don't think I could have gone much faster. I think I was at my limit. Okay. So I don't think I could have, you know, maybe we're talking about a couple of seconds here and there I could have taken off. But I definitely don't think I've, my legs for the last couple of days, yeah. they weren't marathon sore, okay. but they weren't far, far off. Sure. Like I had to take, um, Monday was completely off, Tuesday morning completely off. I ended up doing a 5K recovery run on yeah. Tuesday afternoon just to shake everything out. And then this morning I went out and did my hill runs. But like you, I did it at a pace that was like two minutes slower yeah. than my normal pace just to really feel it in the legs. Yeah. Um, because it was just, it was a good enough run to really push me to that point where I know that if I had had to go another eight kilometers, I'd gone too fast. I'd done the 34 kilometers a little bit too fast to be able to do another eight. Yep. So, you know, my pace would suggest that uh, a three hour 40 marathon is possible. I was going to say that would, that would put you right in 340. Yeah, that puts me at a three hour 40 marathon. And I'm sitting there going, I don't think I had the legs to do another eight kilometers in 40 minutes yeah. at that pace. I feel like I'm just a little bit off that. So what that means is I'm kind of sitting there going, if I just continue with what I'm doing now, yeah, a three, a sub 350 feels very possible, yeah. very likely. But there's also six weeks to go. 
there's another three or four weeks of quality training we can do. So I'm going to sort of use that to go, well, listen, in training for the next three or four weeks, I'm going to use this pre-run, what are we calling it? A tune-up. A tune-up. Tune I'm going to use this tune-up run as a guide to my running and my pacing for yeah. the next six weeks or so. Yeah. I, I know that a 340 marathon pace is possible. So in training runs, when I do race pace training runs, I'm going to do it at a 340. Yeah. Even though on the day I might be a 350, I'm going to do it on a 340. Sure. And I think that's kind of, you know, the, the lesson here is these... People often go, oh, well, you know, if I'm running a marathon, why would I go do a half marathon race or something? Yeah. Or why would I go do a race... Especially if you're a, if you're a brand new marathon runner, why do a race in the lead up to a marathon? Mm. And this is why it's to go practice stuff because you can never simulate the feeling of being in an organised run on a training run. No, sometimes group training runs, sometimes group long runs will get close, and we've had some awesome group long runs where everyone's been talking and we've yeah. been pushing ourselves along, and you, you look down and you're doing thirty seconds a kilometre faster yeah. than you should have. But if you don't have access to big group training runs then going and finding a you know it just this was like i said this was a ten dollar 70 person non-race run yeah. and i got a race simulation yeah. experience from it which i can use for my training for the next little bit exactly like mm. tune-up races are so important even mm. if it's something like park run to get you ready for yes. a 5k i mean just some like just some of the benefits of a tune-up race so you're you're looking at doing your first marathon you got in what are we, six weeks out, yep. go do a race because A, you're going to be able to assess your fitness level mm. and really be able to honestly assess, okay, this is what I've done. So Zach, he's like, mm. this is what I've done. This puts me at potentially in the next few weeks, I could look at doing a 340 marathon, definitely 350s in there. Mm. Uh, and this is, this is, that's one end. This is the other end. That's what this race is telling me. It's also a great way to do like a dress rehearsal. Oh, yeah. I got to try different gels. Yep. I got to try different chews. I worked out that these chews I bought taste delicious and I really like them, but I cannot eat them while I'm running. They're going to be great to have in the sh starting shoot before the race yeah. and they're going to be great afterwards, but I cannot rely on them for fuel during the actual run How come? because you've got to chew them to swallow them oh, yeah. and when you're chewing them, you're not breathing. Yeah, and hard. so I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I'm, they're out for yeah. the actual run. I guess I'm, I'm working on gels then. And then um, I was talking to different people because I've, I use a gel that's a very thick gel. Yeah. So whenever you have it, you've got to have some water with it straight away. Sure. And other people were experimenting with very liquidy gels, mm. which you don't need to wash down with water. But the more liquidy they are, chances are they contain less carbohydrates. Yeah, right. And so you need to have more of them. So there's a whole bunch of... And then another person I was running with was running no gels, no carbs, basically just running off fat stores. Yeah. And, and really... You know, he learned the lesson of he went out too fast. Sure. And the second you go out too fast, if you don't have anything, you've got to manage your energy level so yeah. precisely if you're not carrying anything and know that you can't go out too fast because if you burn it, you're not getting it back. No. And so I think there was, you know, a, a big lesson him, for him as well. So, yeah. So, and also got to try some new gear. Yeah. There you go. Check that out. Yeah. So, you obviously, that is going to be crucial because, you know, you can try it all in your training run, mm -hmm. but. That's not always going to tell you the truth, especially, especially, and this goes into the next thing I want to talk about, you're exploring the start line nerves, oh, yeah. which is going to wreak havoc on your insides and your stomach. Mm. So 
having those nerves, that's going to tell you, that's going to allow you to sort of feel out what your fueling strategy is actually going to do. Like if you don't have those nerves, your fueling strategy is going to do one thing. If you have those nerves, you might find five kilometers in that you're like, well, I better find a toilet. Otherwise yep. we're going to have a problem. That's another good thing about this course. Lots of bushland. Nice. So I didn't need it. And this is so funny because your body, your body knows when it's doing a, a run or a race and it does treat it differently to a long run. Yeah. I'm telling you, I do a long run every Sunday and every Sunday I get out there on my long run and five to seven kilometers in, I'm like, okay, my body's warmed up now. I need to go to the bathroom. Sure. This Sunday I woke up and my body went, okay, we're about to run in two hours. <laughs> We'd better take care of business now. Yeah. And so and I swear to God, I kid you not, mate, it is the first time in six months I have gone and done a run on a Sunday and not have to go to the bathroom. And I think the only difference was I was treating it like a long, like a race rehearsal. Yeah. And I was like, my body was like, okay, well, before we treat, it's a race. We're treating it different. Yeah. And I had to say, well, it's not a race. It's just a run. And my body said, shut the hell up. We're, we're, we're doing this. Your body will do that. Your body will do that. Yeah. yeah. There you go. But yeah, because the other thing about nerves is we talk about the reason some people get gastrointestinal distress when they're running is because when you're running, your body's like, oh, I need to put all this energy into my legs. So I'm going to stop processing anything in the stomach. Well, nerves can do that as well. Yeah. Nerves, your body sometimes doesn't know that nerves isn't stress. And so it kind of reacts in the same way. Mm. And all of that can play havoc with, you know, not even what you're going to eat during the race, but what did you eat for breakfast? Or what did you eat the night before? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Which, so yeah, you move into nerves, you have to talk about adrenaline, right? Mm. So the next thing, when you're at a tune-up race, it's going to allow you to understand what adrenaline is going to do to you, how it's going to affect your race mindset. And you're going to have to, learn how to deal with that because you could be on a training run and halfway through you just like you know you're just like oh whatever i don't really have the motivation i'll mm. just cut this short or i'll just walk yeah. a little bit you're out on there on a tune-up race or a tune-up run mm. and you now have to deal with the fact well you can't if you want to do well do that so yeah. you're looking at what's your race mindset going to be like what's the adrenaline really doing to you in terms of moving through this race is it helping you are, are you are you pushing too hard with your pacing? Are you uh, are you struggling to keep motivated throughout the race? So there's a lot of things that you're going to be able to work through, and doing that in a race that doesn't necessarily matter is mm -hmm. going to be so much better than finding out again 10, 15 k's into your actual race that you started out too quickly, or you know you're not feeling motivated, and or or the other thing is hitting that point where you don't feel motivated and you feel like you want to quit and not understanding what it's like to actually push through that yeah how do you run when people are actually watching yeah because that's the thing is you're running along with and they're strangers they don't know you you don't know them you may never see them again but they're there and so you know there's that extra motivation to keep going that isn't there when you're on a when you're doing a training run by yourself but sometimes if you've done a bunch of training runs by yourself and you've gotten into the habit of oh well if it gets hard i'll back it off and i'll, I'll cut it short mm. That can catch up on you in a race day yeah. because in a race day, the pressure to keep going is there. And then all of a sudden you're pushing your body into an area that it hasn't been before. You don't want to figure that out mm. in the middle of your first race that counts. Yeah. You, you've got to get used to in your training and your tune-up races mm. where that moment is that your body and your mind tell you that, well, more your mind tells you that you want to stop yeah. and you've got to figure out how to push through that because every time you don't push through that, it gets easier and easier to quit. Yeah, yeah. The the, me the mental one around 
um, not getting sucked into other runners and having the discipline to stick to your own run. Like the you know the the guy I was talking about before, um, he was there was a bunch of us at the start uh, who took off, and for the, for the first five k's or so, there would have been I want to say twelve of us running in a pack, which in a race that only has run that only has seventy people in it. 12 people together is a fair chunk of that event. Yeah. So that's like the pack yeah. for the event. But, it, you know, it was okay for the first little bit and then they sped up. Sure. And like I said, I knew it was too fast for me. Mm. I'm like, if I go out and start doing that, they were doing 505s. And I'm like, well, my target pace is 518. I'm doing 512s now. That's already six seconds ahead of my target pace, mm. but I'm going to go with it. I don't think I can throw another seven seconds a kilometer on that yeah i just don't think i've i don't especially not on the way out yeah on the way back no problem and, and i was talking to a couple of guys on the run and i was saying the whole plan for me on this run is for it to be very flat mm. in terms of pacing and for me to be able to run the same pace on the way back sorry run the same effort on the way back as i'm running on the way out mm. but have the advantage on the way back of the wind and the downhill sure and so that's you know this tune-up event is a great example of how you can learn to read the course yeah. for the race that you're doing and understand where is the race going to help you and where is the race going to hurt you. And that's really, really important. You know, it's funny. I was listening to uh, an older episode of a race recap that I did, and I was talking about my old my mindset back then was, oh, you know, I didn't really look at the course map, mm. and so I didn't realize yeah. that these inclines were coming and blah, blah, blah. And then I look at a race like the half that i did a couple weeks ago and i knew exactly where every incline yeah. was and that helped me so much like knowing what's coming is going to be your friend all right anderson anderson street hills right here so yeah. like i know that i'm gonna have to save my energy a little mm. bit right before i get there and conserve on the way up mm. and then i know that on the way down i can surge a bit yeah only if i do exactly what i plan so knowing what's coming knowing yeah where the race is going to help you really really much more valuable than you think yeah and you need to learn how to read a race map yes so if you've never done a race before then it's hard for you to look at the map and look at the elevation mm. and translate it to something you've done unless you happen to have ran the course itself yeah but you know you and i could be taken somewhere and given a race course and given an elevation profile and we would be able to look at that and go okay because i've ran other events on other profiles and at different paces, I can kind of sit there and it's not going to be as perfect as having ran the event before. Yeah. But it's going to give you an idea. It's going to give you an idea. But you've got to learn that. Yeah. But you, and you don't need to only learn that in A races. You can go do runs like this. Exactly. Figure exactly. it out. Figure yeah. that out. Figure out where your aid stations are as well. Mm. Know yep. when you're going to get some, well, aid. Yeah. Uh, and then I guess the final thing that is awesome about Tune Up races turn up runs at the very least it's gonna be a hell of a workout oh yeah you know it's a, it's a it's a hard you know you're running them hard so you're going to move the needle a little bit in a good way unless you blow up yep. i mean you'll still move it a little bit but you know you also learn something but you know if you're going out there and you're doing a 30 kilometer 35 kilometer hard effort that's a workout yeah that is a hard workout so if you're doing that at 5 12 pace your heart rate's probably up there at about 160. Yeah. That's a that's that's just your your threshold running. Well, you're just under threshold running for om, almost 3 hours. That's a banging workout. Yeah. Now what you don't want to do in a tune-up race is you don't want to go out there and 
absolutely try and blow it up. Right. The whole point of a tune-up race is to get yourself as close as possible to a feeling of, okay, I pushed it. But if you know that you're... Like, if, if I was trying to run 518, it would have been stupid for me to go out there and try and do 445. Yeah, it's not the time or place to try to, like, really have, you know, delusions of grandeur. Like, no. if you're not a sub-20-minute 5K runner... Don't go out there and try to run sub 25k pace for 34 kilometers. Yeah, it's it's an opportunity for you to be, you know, if you're sitting there going, I don't know if my pace is 505 or 520, I've got to try and find where in that range it is. That's the that's where you go. You go yeah. and play with that. You don't go below that. You don't go below that. You don't try and set things that just are unrealistic because of your training. That's right. Um, you don't do anything different that you haven't done in training before, or you wouldn't do on race day. So you wouldn't go out and do a. a tune-up race and all of a sudden go well, i'm going to start wearing a vest for the first time and loading it up with extra weight to make it a harder workout like you wouldn't do stuff like that no. so it's all about pushing yourself within the definition of what you're going to do but you know oh will i wear this t-shirt or that t-shirt yeah. i don't know i'm going to try this one you're educating yourself to have the best possible a race that you can you're yeah. not necessarily trying mm. to destroy yourself you're, mm. you're just it's an educational experience that you're yeah. trying to use by the time that you do a tune-up race, mm. you should know exactly what yeah. your strategy should be. And so you're playing with that strategy. You're not going out there and trying to find a new one. No. You're, 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 all right, I'm doing a, I'm, I'm, my goal pace for the marathon is 340. Let me go and try to run that pace for 35 kilometers, 34 kilometers, and yep. see what that and does. And see how I feel at the end of it. Right. Yeah. And it's just to help you refine things. It's, it's to find the 1% of here, the 1% of there. A tune-up race is not your opportunity to go play with a 10%. That's what your long runs are for. That's what your interval runs are for. And you don't do them in a race simulation right. or a race distance. And and it's and also what you don't do on a tune-up race is you don't go out and long, slow run it. Like Otherwise, it's just a long, slow run. Right. And that's fine. But don't call it a tune-up race just because it's a race. Right. You, know, you want to try and simulate um, PB conditions. Right. But normally, not, like for instance, if you're wanting to run a marathon, go find a 34K or a 21K and run that at hard pace to really push yourself and see how you're going. Yeah. If, however, you're someone who's like, well, I want to do a marathon, but I also want to run a marathon beforehand just to know I can run a marathon before I try and PB my marathon, well, then you're doing different things with that marathon. You're thinking more about fueling, pre-fueling, recovery. Mm. Stuff you're like, you're but not necessarily running that one hard. You're anymore. not running that one hard. Because <laughs> otherwise, you just make that your goal marathon. You just make that your goal marathon. <laughs> exactly. So it's all... And then in other cases, it'll be, well, I'm going to go do a marathon but I'm doing a 50K or 100K or something like that. So then it becomes, again, a very different yeah. thing. Um, but the whole point about a tune-up race is, so I did my tune-up race on Sunday. It's now Wednesday, and I'm sore, but I'm back into normal training. Right. What you don't do in your tune-up race is go do it so hard and in such a different way that it disrupts your training routine. That's a good point. It's part of your training routine. That's a good point. Yeah. This, work, this acted as a long-run workout for you. Yeah. You've got to be able to get back to your regular routine because if you lose too much time there's six weeks to go to melbourne don't have if time I, to lose if i ride myself off for two weeks like after a marathon after an a race marathon two weeks to recover not a problem mm -hmm. i've done my a race two weeks to recover six weeks out that's not great no, no, that's not, not going to help you no not i've i've done that uh and you know took time off before an event and it hasn't worked no so yeah that's very hit and miss hmm. well yeah. i guess that's that's kind of all i have in terms of why yeah. tune-up race was important. So it was good to talk about your... I'm glad it went well. I'm, I mean, we were exchanging texts beforehand and you were asking me how you thought I'd go. And I think I said my supreme goal was sub three hours. Yeah. 
and then my A goal was under 310. Under 310. And then my B goal was between 310 and 330. And then anything else was like just I, I would have been very surprised if you did anything above 305, just because mm. of what I know of you as a runner. So I'm glad that you got sub three. Yeah. I, was, I was expecting nothing less. I was kind of telling people like on the day, my wife and my uncle and auntie were like, well, when should we come to the finish line and see you? And I'm like, well, the ra- the weather's terrible, so don't bother, first yeah. of all. And my wife was like, I never see him finish races, so I don't care. Wow. Um, but I kind That's of loose. thought 317. And I had in my head 317. Yeah. I was like, oh, 530 pace. I just didn't think I'd go. Interesting. Yeah. But, cause, and that's the thing. I think what I've learned with my pacing is I do that all the time. Like every time I've done yeah. Melbourne Marathon, it's like, what are you going to run, Zach? Oh, I think I'll run a 350. What did you run, Zach? I ran a 339. Yeah. That'll you know, so I always run 10 minutes faster than I thought I was going to do. Yeah. So, but but right now, off the back of this, I'll be basing my, I don't know. I think I've got a bit of a choice to make before Melbourne. Yep. Do I find the 340 pacer and try and stick with them as long as I can? knowing that I'm not someone who drops off the pace and fades well. I'm someone who runs a marathon flat very well. But what that means is if I overdo it and I'm running too hard with the 340 and I drop off, I'll probably drop off really slowly. My my gut is saying find the 350 pacer yeah. and then negative split yeah, hard. Yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. Yeah. I was like, find the 350 pacer, let the 350 pacer carry me to maybe the bit... Uh, at Brighton, where you turn around and you start coming back. Oh, yeah. And at that point, go. That oh, it's terrible, that bit. Yeah. Um, and that's the worst part of the race. Like, yeah. the worst part of the race is um, once, you, once, you're on Port, once you're on Port Melbourne, you turn around at Port Melbourne mm-hmm. and you're running back towards Brighton, once you go past St. Kilda and you're just running out towards Brighton, that is... Sucks. It sucks. Sucks hard. And it's only when you get back to St. Kilda that you start to get excited again, but then you go up Fitzroy Street. Yeah, which also sucks. Which hard. also sucks. <laughs> so not, so I think, you know, the problem with Melbourne, though, is that if you wait to get past the sucky bit mm. in the second half of the race, it's just a series of sucky bits. Yeah. It's like from Brighton back to St. Kilda is boring and flat and sometimes into the wind and sucky. Yeah. Up Fitzroy Street, sucks. Up St. Kilda Road, Blech. sucks. Under the Arts Centre and up the Tan and... Dicking around in the tan <laughs> sucks. <laughs> running back up uh, towards Flinders Street. It's only when you get to like the top of Flinders Street and then you start running back to the G yeah. that it's good. And at that point, there's a kilometre and a half to go. Yeah, so what does it care? So you've kind of got to be, you know, the easy part of Melbourne is the first half. The first yeah. half of Melbourne is super easy. Yeah. The second half of Melbourne is just sucking. Yeah, as soon as you get yeah. to that water and it's just like, all right. And that's why I'm like, if I go with the 340 pacer, I'll get through the first half no problem. Yeah. It'll be the second half where I'm like, oh, this sucks, and I've also gone too hard with the 340. Yeah. So maybe I find the 350, and then push off on the 350. That's kind of yeah. what, I, yeah. That's kind of like my, because like, I, yeah, I'd love to do a 330. You know, we're, whatever's going to happen, I feel like I'm probably going to f- try to find the 350 mm. and negative split. Yeah. I might, depending on how I'm feeling a couple weeks out. That's going to tell me if I stick with the 340 and, yeah. ne- and try to negative split it. I don't know if I'm going to be gutsy enough to go right away with the 330 yeah. pacer. I don't. Uh, I'd have to if I want to run sub 330, but yeah. I just, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's hard. It's hard when you're trying to figure out how to pace a race. Yes, you've done this stuff in training, but then then you get to race day and then yeah. you start second guessing yourself. It's like, God damn it, I don't want to blow up and just destroy this race yeah. because it's my A race. So it's like, I'd rather 
start it at a pace that I know I can keep, and then the last 20 kilometers start to run at a pace that I'm not sure I can keep, and yeah. hopefully, yeah, you know. But I, I, I think it's been good, because I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I was just like, oh, I'd be happy to go sub four. You know, yeah. now I'm like, oh, geez, should I go after 340? Yeah. So it's amazing how a consistent training block and a tune-up race yeah. can help you really start to zone in on that. And so right now I'm like, okay, well, I could go with the 350 pacer and I feel very comfortable that I'd finish in 350 or so. The real question would be, if I start with the 350 pacer, if you and if you get to the halfway point of the marathon with the 350 pacer and then you go... You're not kicking and getting to 340. No, you're not. You're not making no. up that distance. No, that's you'd be. That's I mean, yeah. that's 30 seconds per kilometer that you'd have to be running faster. That's tricky. That's tricky. So at best, you're like, right, I'm going to go under 350, and I'm going to maybe be going for what's a reasonable negative split? A couple of minutes, three minutes. Three, yeah, I'd say 347, 348. Yeah. So you're looking at something like that. So it's not a huge difference, but it's enough. It's enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and it'll feel good. Yeah, and that's why I'm like, oh, I, I don't think that. Like, yes, I think the 350 is a smart idea, but at the same time, I don't think it's a gutsy one, and I don't know that I need to sell mm. myself that short. Yeah, yeah, um, I hear you. Yeah, because I don't want a negative split with a 348 thinking, man, I should have went off with the 340 and negative split at a 338. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because I can deal with over 330. Like, I'm not, you know. For me, it's like, we're, we're, knowing me and knowing how I run, it's if I go out with the 340 mm. and then... I have a good day, not a problem. If I have a bad day, I believe the 340 could slip back to a 348. Yeah. Whereas I know if I start out with the 350s, I've got a very, very good chance of having a very easy day and having the 350 turn into a 347 anyway. And it's interesting, so, that yeah. 340, say if you do both at 348 yeah. the 348 that you negative split is going to feel a hell of a lot oh, better than the 348 the, the 348 that i negative split is going to feel fantastic yeah. the 348 that i you know fade by seven minutes in the second it's half the difference is between a successful a, a successful feeling race and a yeah. race that you don't want to really talk about yeah the, the because your body will have like the lactic the soreness like i will be running in a couple of days after a negative split 348 and i'll be in bed for a week after a Positive split 348, just because it's just that's how the body reacts. Yeah. So it's a pity there isn't a 345 pacer. I would love one. A 345 pacer. Would I would. I would love to go out with a 345 pacer for like even 10 kilometers to see how I'm feeling. I reckon it would be perfect. Yeah. I reckon a 345 pacer would just be spot on for me. Yeah. I reckon I could. I reckon I could hang on with them. It'd be gutsy enough. Mm. I could go either side of it. Um, I, I feel like yeah, that's that's. Maybe it, we should write a letter. I don't think people write letters these days. Email. Or I email them, yeah. Okay. But yeah, so this, and this is like all, this is a fun conversation for us to have with the listeners listening, but this is kind of the conversations you have with running friends when you're trying to work out, so what are you going to do? Yeah. You talk through all these options. Yeah. I mean, the one thing we haven't spoken about is weather. If it's a crappy day, oh, then I'm going 350 and I'm just going to have a fun time with it. If it's like, if it's like 28 degrees, dude, I'm not even going to start. Yeah. If it's a crappy day, <laughs> it, I'm just like, okay, well, my goal originally when I started this training block 12 weeks out was you've had it, you know, Great Ocean Road was shit. You've had five weeks off. Let's just do a training block and do a marathon and try and go sub four. I'm now talking about 340 to 350. For me, that's success. Yeah. This has been a successful training block. I'm feeling good. So it'll depend on what happens on the day. Um, I think I'll have to have a pretty sensational next month of running. 
to feel like I want to go after the 340, though. Well, you might. I might, though. I'm not, I'm not discounting it. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like I'm... I'm right in that wheelhouse of, yeah, I think I think sub 340 is possible, mm. but it's not every... I don't know that in the next six weeks if I'm going to feel, yeah, it's definite. Yeah. I think in the next six weeks I'm going to continue to feel like I think so. Yeah. And I can I can deal with that for a race. Yeah. Someone said to me the other day, they're like, well, when you... In 2019, when you lasted the Ballerine run, you ran 258, mm. and then six weeks or so later, you did Melbourne and you ran 329. Mm. So why aren't you going to go faster this time because you ran 356? So why can't you go faster? And I said, I actually think the ballerine run I just did, the reason why I was faster this time was I'm not fitter than I was in 2019. Like I'm carrying a bit of extra weight. Um, I haven't had as good a training block leading into it, but I knew the event. Yeah. So it's knowing the event is probably where I found that extra. I'm probably, you know, actually a couple of minutes slower than I was in 2019, but I'm quite a few minutes faster mentally yeah. in terms of knowing that event. And so that's the thing with Melbourne, which is because I know, this will be my sixth Melbourne, I think it is, I know that event pretty well. Yeah. So I'm going to be able to go, right, if I pace it here and pace it there, this is where I can kick, this is where I can't. But you've, like I said, you just got to be realistic. If you want to run a low 340, you're not going to get that starting at the 350 pacer. No. And if you want to run a 345, you're not going to have the benefit of a pacer at all. You're going to be on your own. And you're gonna to have to be mentally strong to stick to your pace. And yeah. Yeah. Mm. A lot of fun. Lots to talk about over the next six weeks as we get ready for it. Indeed. We'll see what we talk about next. So, well, I guess that's all we're gonna say here about tune up races and leading up to A races and all that good stuff. So we'll probably see you next week talking about something or other. Yep. Uh, but yeah, so I guess that's all we have to say yeah. about that. Go do a tune up race. Indeed. Yep. Go for it. So, look, thank you all so much for listening to this episode of the Breaking the Barrier podcast, where Zach and I hope to inspire you to go above and beyond what you ever thought possible out there on the roads, the treadmills, and the trails. We will catch you next time. 